Down Audio presents My First Murder by Ben Dreyfus. Read by Ben Dreyfus. I got me a sister. Her name is Emily. I love her from here to there and every way in between. But this is a story about a thing she'd done once when we was young, which was a very not nice thing to do, I say. I think you'll agree. We gotta go back to the early 90s. I was six or seven and she was eight or nine. Don't matter exactly how old we was, we was children. We moved to Idaho because our mama divorced our papa and fell in love with this hick surgeon she done met when he took out my tonsils one Christmas when we was visiting for the holidays. And so we lived in this big white house that was big only because it was tall. Ain't a white house, but a tall house. And it was on the bank of a river. Big Wood River, they call it here. A lot of grass around the house, some of it long. One day, my sister, she done been playing out there in the long grass, and she found herself a snake. A garter snake. Ain't got no poison, ain't got teeth. Or maybe it has teeth, but they're not sharp. This is not a scary snake, is what I'm saying, for adults who know of snakes and their danger. I was neither an adult nor someone who knew about their danger, so I did not know that. Anyway. She gets this snake and puts it in a terrarium and brings it to her room on the top floor of this tall, thin house. I lived underneath that room on the second floor, and I was quite upset. You see, I have what the doctors might call a fear of snakes. I had this fear since as far back as I remember. One day, my daddy, we was in a house in Los Angeles, And we was watching a movie on the TV, and there was a snake in it. And he looked at me and my daddy, and he said, I must have been three or four at the time, and he said, Ben, here's what you need to know about snakes. They look slow, because they have no legs. But they're fast. If you see a snake, run. And I listened to my daddy, and I got me afraid of snakes. One time, we was at the Mulholland Tennis Club, my sister and me, and we were in the playroom for another child's birthday, and as part of that birthday, a animal trainer had come to show us the animals. And one of those animals was a massive 20-foot-long snake that the trainer placed on everyone's laps. I refused that. No snake going on my lap. But I was pressured by my peers to touch the snake's skin. And I tell you, as sure as I am standing here, when I touched that snake, it turned its head and looked at me from across the room and stared with its dead eyes, saying, I hate you. I would eat you if no one else was around. And I got up and I ran. Many people might tell you, if they were subpoenaed here today, that I hallucinated that part. But I stick by my story, and it's a he said, snake said situation. Now, there are another movie I seen back in these old times in Los Angeles, and it was called Black Beauty. In that movie, this boy is on a ship, and then the ship, it sinks. And he wakes up alone on a beach. And there is this cobra snake. One of the most dangerous snakes in the world. And it is about to kill this boy with its venomous tongue. But then, out of the blue comes Black Beauty. 
a beautiful majestic horse the child had met on the ship when the horse was in bondage being brought to some farm somewhere they had shared a moment on that ship you see now black beauty she comes out of nowhere on this beach because she survived the wreck too and she stomps that cobra to death cementing her eternal friendship with the boy i think they made a sequel so me six or seven back here in idaho now so i'm thinking i need a horse all right but i ain't old enough to own a horse because i just yay high but anyways this is just a bit of background for the events of one summer day in a very tall house which rested on the bank of a very small river which the locals in sun valley idaho nevertheless called the big wood so my sister she done brought in that snake from the long grass in a terrarium into her room and i cried oh how i cried and I bitched, oh how I bitched. And I begged, oh how I begged for her to get rid of it. But she said no. It was her snake. It was her new pet. I wished and hoped for a horse to come and trample her and her vicious snake to death. But the horse did not come. And probably, even if it had, wouldn't have fit through the doorway of the house as it was not a wide house. So I tried to go above her head. And I called my papa and told him the story, and he was sympathetic but removed, told me I had to talk to my mama. And my mama, well, a nice woman, but at that time she was under the mind-controlling influence of this hick surgeon who thought I needed some exposure therapy and should be forced to live with the snake. My options had been limited by these monsters. I began to have nightmares of the snake escaping from its cage, slithering down the stairs, pushing open the door to my room, somehow crawling into my bed, and then going into my butthole. Butthole penetration wasn't something I was at the tender age of six or seven ready to think about. Indeed, 30 years later, I'm still not ready to consider it. So I was quite frightened and touched by the presence of the snake in my own abode. One day... Maybe a week or two into this, my sister left the house to go play silly time with her friends like women do. And I was mostly alone. I imagine there was an adult downstairs somewhere, but not near me. They weren't paying much attention. It was the early 90s. We were left to do what we wanted, live how we like. So I was looking at the stairs up to my sister's room. And I thought, up there is my enemy. The snake. I got weak in the knees at its thought and considered running down to the living room to cower in fear as I had done too many times before. But on this day, no. I would stand up for myself. There was no horse coming to my rescue. I would have to be my own black beauty. I done gone down the stairs and out the door and into the long grass myself and grabbed the biggest rock I could find. And then I trotted back up into the house and further into her room. I beheld with my sight and vision the slithering vile creature in his habitat, the terrarium. I girded my loins and sturdied myself and thought of black beauty. And then I bludgeoned the snake to death with the rock. It must be said that the snake did not put up a fight. It had no chance. One strong smash of the rock spread what little brains it had all over the terrarium floor. I felt a surge of relief, as though I had unburdened myself of some great, well, burden. I'd taken agency in my own existence. I was my own savior. 
I dropped the bloodied rock in the terrarium and breathed a sigh of relief as rewarding as the most relieving sighs of the ages ever breathed. But then my soothed soul was taken unexpectedly by surprise by what I did not know at first, but soon I discovered was anxiety. That terrible devil lurking in all of us, second-guessing our behavior. Was I about to get in trouble for this thing I had done? This murder? It was righteous, I believed, and I continue to believe that. But would a judge see it that way, or perhaps, more importantly, would my mother? I knew what must be done. I picked up that terrarium and lugged it down the stairs and to the river, which they called the Big Wood, and emptied it out into the cleansing waters. The evil snake's corpse and the evidence of both my guilt and my power floated away. I rinsed the box and brought it back up and put it back into her room. I then went back to my own room and played with my toys as one does. Like nothing wrong in the whole world. Not a leaf askew, not a thread of grass broken in all of God's creation. Then my sister, she'd come back sometime later and she shouts, Where is my snake? All the adults, they say, they don't know. And eventually she come to me and says, What you do with my snake? And I says to her, what are you talking about? I don't know. I haven't been in your room because I'm too afraid to even go near your evil snake. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Well, it's not there anymore. Maybe it broke out. I did warn that could happen. And she fucking stared at me with her knowing female eyes. Tell me. And I looked back at her with my one male eye and my one ungendered glass eye and said, I swear I have no idea. I said the same thing to my mama after my sister narked to her. And my mama, she turned a frowning face to my sister and said, You said it wouldn't escape. You better find it, Emily. And Emily, she had to look high and low for that snake. And as you may have guessed, she turned up not a whit of evidence of it. Because the snake was in the river. <laughs> About ten years later, I told her when we were teens, I said, I killed the snake. And she said, I knew that. And I said, I knew you knew that, but you couldn't prove it. And one of her friends was sitting there, and she said, You killed her pet snake? That's awful. What's wrong with you? And before I launched into the exact spiel I've just subjected you to, my dear sister interrupted and said, To be honest, it was my fault. I never should have brought that snake into the house. I knew he hated it, and I was just bullying him. And I nodded. And she nodded, and we both said with our nods, friends, friends forever. And when you think back on those events, you see that it's a coming-of-age story for not one but two people, you know. One, my sister, she came of age, and she admitted that it was a mean and cruel thing to do to bring that snake into our house. And two, it was a coming-of-age story for me because it was the day I became a man and realized I had to be my own black beauty. And to this day, 30 years later, I am black beauty. Because guess what? I'd fucking do it again. 
This has been a production of Calm Down Audio.